Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. I was so stoked to finally get Steve Robinson on the Long Island Sound Podcast. And I'm telling you, you're really going to enjoy what an intriguing guy. Life experiences like I've never seen. So diverse. A carpenter, an English teacher, fisherman, truck driver, landscape foreman. I think he's had every job that anybody on Long Island might have. You name it. And he's poured that into his love of music in the style of Americano, old-time jazz, soul, rock, pop, and country. You name it. Hey, let's take a listen to his song, Little Rock and Roller.
case and walk away. Hey, I'm really excited today uh, with my guest. Uh, Steve Robinson is a native Long Islander, and I want to read his bio. He's, he's engaged, his engaging songs are informed by his very life experiences, and I can relate to the many positions. Uh, carpenter, English teacher, fisherman, truck driver, landscape foreman, air traffic controller, union rep, computer program, and so many, many more lifelong experiences. And uh, I'm going to have to have a beer with Steve because I, I think he uh, rallies me when it comes to having different jobs. Self-taught guitarist, just like me. Amazing. Uh, not as good. Uh, I'm not as good as him, obviously, with the unique finger style, a laid back style. And what I like of listening to Steve's music and I've done my homework, he's not tied to one genre, which I think is really great. I'll leave it at that. Hey, Steve Robinson, welcome to the Long Island Sound podcast. Good to have you. Steve, it's great. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we met we met briefly at one of our showcases, and uh, you know what carries a lot of weight with me is when I've met another musician, another artist who says, "Oh, you got to have Steve and Rob Steve Robinson. He's a great songwriter." And that that was from Mike Nugent. Yeah. And when Mike Nugent says you're really good, it carries a lot of weight with me. So I'm so happy to have you on, on the program, you know? Yeah, well, Mike is one of the premier guys on Long Island, I think. He's a great guitar player. He, he plays tastefully. He can rock out when he needs to, and, and he can lay back and just put tasteful licks in when he's behind, behind somebody. He's not a show-off. He's just really good. Yeah, I think it, what, what's nice about Mike, he, he plays to the song. You yeah, know, he really he does. does. And that's... Um, yeah, it, it takes it it takes a, a lot of talent to do that and a lot of nuance and and yeah, uh, I'm sure when Mike listens to this he'll he'll appreciate that as well. well let's talk about you, so you're self-taught. I was somewhat self-taught, and I need more teaching. Um, so when did it begin with you? Did it start with the guitar? Did it start earlier or later in life? Where, where did Actually, it begin? Actually, it, it started when I was in high school. I was a member of a little folk group, but I was the vocalist. I didn't play any instruments at the time. Um, I had a friend of mine, Bobby Cavanaugh, and then, now we're talking about uh, sophomore, junior year in high school back in the early 60s. Okay. Who was playing things like uh, Lead Billy's Fannin Street on a 12-string guitar. The guy was just wow. amazing. Um, and we had another gentleman, Mike Malone, who became an admiral. He was actually the captain of the Enterprise, the air aircraft carrier at one point. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he passed away recently, but uh, he was the other guy. And we uh, we actually appeared on radio uh, early on. Uh, we did a, uh, uh, they had a little outdoor uh, uh, festival thing going on. And I think it was WBAB back in the early days that, mm. uh, that let us uh, do a couple of tunes on the radio. Um but I also, I mean, I I, uh, I picked up guitar later on in high school. Uh, my folks, my folks, my father wanted my mother to. My father plays a banjo and harmonica, so I have a mm. you know musical background. He wanted my mom to get involved, so he bought a little Sears Silvertone guitar, and uh, they went to guitar lessons. I think they went two or three times, and that was it. And uh, I picked up picked it up at that point, and I just started trying to teach myself uh, some easy folk songs. So how was uh, mom? Was was mom you know, into doing it? Uh, you know, mom. Uh, mom wasn't so much into the instrumentation, but she was very um, um, influential on my listening. Uh, when I was a kid back in the early fifties, my mother was a big listener of Top Forty Radio, 
She had her favorite artists, uh, Joe Stafford, Kay Starr, uh, Dick Hames. She wasn't such a big Sinatra fan, but she liked Billie Holiday. And, and uh, so a, a lot of the music, and at the time, I, well, you know, I listened. I really didn't appreciate the music. I came to appreciate it much more later on. Right. Uh, but also, my both sides of my family are Irish. Uh, my mother was born in Limerick, came over as a kid. My father's mm. family was all from Belfast. Uh, so I was uh, uh, just inundated with Irish music also as a, from, the, from my, my childhood. Uh, and my, my father's side of the family, everybody would have a party, everybody would sing a song. It didn't make any difference if you were 85 years old and you could barely croak out the tune, you, but you got to sing your song and everybody said, Grand, Patty, Grand, Grand, Grand. My mother's side of the family were all um, dancers. So they would, uh, when they would came over, the furniture went to the walls. The Jimmy mm-hmm. Shand Orchestra records would go on, and they'd do set dancing. So I had music through my entire life. Uh, you, you, know what's, you know what's so interesting about that to me, uh, particularly in the days pre-internet, is how, cult, well, culturally Irish, you know, the, the singing and, and playing in the pubs is, is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking my own, you know, Polish heritage when you mentioned dancing. Uh you know, when we had parties and I had cousins who were phenomenal Polish dancers, like, you know, the real, the real swinging stuff. And yeah. they were athletic. It was unbelievable. And they would get egged on to, you know, you know the, 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 the records would go on and, and, and we'd go to a lot of dances. It was so much fun socially yeah. to do that. And it's interesting now with the newer generation, just my opinion. I get my soapbox every once in a while, so I'm going to caution the audience now, is this re-socialization of the, the public, you know, to get off the screens and have a good time and face-to-face and enjoy each other's company. That was something that you really look forward to in the old days. I remember the backyard parties and playing the records. And, uh, man, it's, it's so uh, indelbed in my brain of yeah. what a good time it was and how you reminisce about that. So you're very fortunate that you had a musical family and with yeah, that heritage, I mean, wh- you know. One of my cousins ended up actually dancing in Riverdance Troupe. So really, she was um, yeah, she was top notch, and nice, she had a, she nice. had a dancing school upstate for many years too, an Irish dance. School. Interesting. Now the other thing you mentioned, you were on you were on the local radio, and that almost seems like a time gone by from certain things with a lot of pre-programming and hey, this is you know the yeah, yeah. the song list, the playlists are going out, and that's it, you know. But to have that opportunity. Um, so, so you grew up locally on Long Island, I would think. Or well, yeah. I mean, I, um, we moved, my folks. I'm actually living in the house that my folks bought in 1952. I bought it mm. from them in '86. But um, we were originally. I was originally uh, uh, raised for the first four years in the Bronx. Uh, okay. They came to and they came to Long Island in uh, uh, 1952. And uh, um, except for maybe five years out of state after I got married, and I worked as air traffic controller in, in Virginia and Pennsylvania. Um, mm. I came back, bought the house from them, uh, and uh, have lived here ever since. Yeah, from what I recall, there was uh, there's a section of the Bronx back in the day. It was a, a big Irish enclave uh, in the Bronx yeah. uh, when yeah. people immigrated over. So that's that's really cool. So any siblings that played as well, or? Um, no, none of my siblings. Except uh, they all they all uh, they all can sing. Uh, they all have pretty good voices. Uh, but they never really did much with it. I mean, they would sing at parties and stuff like that. My sister Ellen, especially back in the folk days when we were doing folk music, used to like to sing harmonies. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I don't get to see much of her anymore. She's living down in Virginia with her uh, with her son and, and grandchildren. Uh, 
right, right. That, my dad, um, though, my, like I said, my dad played banjo. Uh, he played harmonica. Um, he had a chromatic harmonica, and my grandfather played the spoons. So whenever we got together, that, my, yeah, they for the songs, I had I took the guitar out. My father took out his banjo. My my grandfather took the spoons, and we had a little, while well, you know, back everybody up while they sang. Right. Yeah. And you know what's neat about that is, uh, you don't sometimes you don't recognize the influence you have on the people who are around you. You know, hey, you know, Uncle Steve got out and took his guitar out and, hey, maybe I can do that, you know, and and where it trickles down. I look at my nieces and nephews, you know, one time uh, I had a, had a bunch of harmonicas. They're like, you know, four or five years ago. What the heck did I care? I handed out the harmonicas in every key and they paraded around the uh, the campfire in the backyard and they had a great time, you know, yeah, and it was, yeah. it was it was just kind of a really kind of special moment. What I found interesting about your music is uh, not getting tied into a particular genre, which is exactly what I love because it really, I think, just opens up the world uh, to uh, a greater audience. Coming into the program, we heard a pretty rocking tune called Little Rock and Roller. Tell me how that came about. How did the muse strike you to write that uh, tune? Um, well, you know, as we age... <laughs> Um, I was watching a, a documentary on on uh, some of the old rock and roll guys, and and mm -hmm. uh, I think you know, there's always somebody coming up behind you, uh, and it's a competition. And, and at a certain point, um, every musician comes to the end of their career, and the new faces and the new sounds and the new people take their place. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to write a tune that that was in the genre of an old rock and roll tune or an old bluesy type rock and roll tune. But the theme is this guy is coming to the end of his career and he knows that there's other people coming up behind him. And, you know, maybe it's time, maybe it's time to let it go. So that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's basically the idea that I had uh, coming up with the song. Now, now circling back and to flip the coin on you, as far as someone letting it go, how did, you reach that point in your life. So you pick up the guitar, you're self-taught. What struck you to say, I can write music or I'd like to write music? Where did it really germinate for you? I'm always curious about that. You know, it's hard to say. I, I wrote a couple of uh, tunes many, many, many years ago that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that have gone uh, by the wayside and uh, rightfully so. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure I could. Um, but... Um, I had uh, an opportunity to make a CD. Uh, I was laid off from my job in, back in 2004. I was working at, as a uh, as a uh, senior business analyst at a Wall okay. Street firm, and I got laid off. And uh, I got a good settlement, and I had money. And um, so I decided that I was going to try to make a CD, but I didn't necessarily want to have a lot of cover tunes. So my first CD is all originals. So mm. I wrote I wrote them in a, in a matter of a couple of years, and even some of them as we were recording, um, I wrote a, a one or two more. Uh, I was lucky enough to get involved with a great engineer, this guy Bob Stander, who's you know a legend out on Long Island here. Um, he's okay. won a Grammy, uh, and uh, he uh, helped produce and engineer the album, and he played a lot of the you know the like the electric guitar parts. He mm -hmm. also had access to some great, great studio musicians. I mean, I've worked with uh, 
um, uh, John O'Reilly, who's part of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I've gotten mm. a chance to work with uh, Steve Holly, who was uh, McCartney's drummer on Band on the Run. Uh, you know, people of this caliber, horn guys from uh, Levon Helm's bands. He had access. He's been he's been a musician since he was like, you know, in diapers practically. Um, okay. He toured with the Platters later on in their career and played bass and guitar with them. Um, and he's an old style engineer. He used to do. He used to record in the days when they used to slice tape and put them together. Right, um, right. So he was. He was. Uh, he gave me some ideas about when we were recording. What you know? What could it sound like? Um, some ideas about what he could provide as far as guitar stuff. Um, he liked the, the music. And I had been introduced to him by a good friend of mine, Dave Isaacs, who uh, worked with him uh, previously. And Dave mm-hmm. is now making a name for himself down in Nashville. So um, I, I was lucky enough to meet up with some really, really good people early on. Yeah, and you know you know what's amazing? And at least I found this in the year that I've been doing the podcast, the networking capabilities just on Long Island of the well, I always refer to it as the wellspring of talent, and I'm really not going overboard on that because every every person I meet, it's just I'm I'm really kind of flabbergasted and amazed. But finding these opportunities and getting introduced to these other musicians is just you know really kind of good. Now, you, what year was that your first album that you came out with? I recorded it through 2004, and I believe it came oh. out in 2005. 2005 was that um backroads Backroads, yeah and that's um, all original music yeah so so that was really before the age of uh you know home recording really so you you jumped right right into the studio and kind of jump started to um you know have these phenomenal players play your music you know yeah and so going into that so you know you can write. You know you've, you've put songs together enough for a dozen songs, I would assume, right? Yeah. And and then you, you, you I assume you got to trust the guy you're handing it over to. Was it any particular song a lot different than you envisioned when you wrote it, as opposed to how it came out on the album? Or was it? Did you did you lay a foundation to say it, I really want it to be like this, and then all of a sudden it gets enhanced by? The, the good musicians around you. Well, I mean, I got reviewed in Newsday for the first CD, and and it was called a multi-genre CD because it was uh, the right. song "Forever and Always" was was quite different than most of the other stuff that was on that CD, and and it harkens back to the to the uh, the music that I was listening to when I was a kid when my mother was doing Top Forty, listening to all that stuff. It's more like an old pop standard than than a uh, a rock and roll tune. Uh, mm. And I, I realized that, that my sensibilities, as far as music was, were concerned, uh, touched on folk music, which was my favorite type of music back in the early 60s. Um, I listened to a lot, lot of the rock music. I became a big Grateful Dead fan and stuff in, in the 60s and 70s. But I, I, I ended up doing r and I've, I've written R&B type stuff and also um, the, uh, the old pop standard uh, type, type stuff. I just wrote a new one um, that hasn't been recorded yet called um, uh, Would You Change Your Mind, which was actually written to a prompt, uh, write a song <laughs> about a question. Um, in 2021, this guy Ben Diamond put together a little Zoom group because it was in the middle of COVID. And um, every two weeks, we got a prompt. And uh, I've never been what I call a prolific writer. It takes me a long time to write a song. Um, But I found myself writing songs every two weeks. I wrote 19, 20 songs in 2021 alone. 
Mm. Um, and it was basically based on prompts, you know. I had musical ideas. I, different musicians approach their songs different ways. Some people start with lyrics, and then mm -hmm. they try to fit music to the lyrics. For me, it's almost always the music first. I, I, I sit around the house, and I strum the guitar, and I might have listened to a new jazz tune or a new pop tune or a new folk tune or country tune, and maybe there's a, a particular chord progression that I said, wow, that really sounds really good. So I'd work mm -hmm. on that, and uh, then, you know, throw my own stuff in there, and, and before I knew it, I had, it, I had at least the, uh, the framework for a song, and then I would try to fit lyrics to it. Often I would start off with a phrase, and mm -hmm. seven times out of ten, that phrase disappeared in the course of writing, and it became a different song. Now, I'm going to ask you this, and this is just from a, a total novice perspective. When you listen to a song and you say to yourself, I like that chord progression, do you know what that chord progression is at the moment? And what not necessarily. No, you, not necessarily. Okay. But Google, <laughs> Google can get you. You uh, you can go okay. out there and you can find uh, the the chords for a particular song. Often, all I do too is is I'll just strum the guitar and I'll I'll come up with a chord I haven't played before. I just put my fingers in different spot. I like the sound of that. That really sure. that's really cool. And then I'll find another one. And before you know it, I have two or three chords that go, fit well together that I've never played before that I've never heard anybody play before. And, uh, and sometimes the song comes out of that. Cool. Hey, let's do this. Let's just take a quick break. And when we come back, I want you to think about, since you're a multi-genre artist, tell me about, when we come back, tell me about some of the influences and the people that you're impressed with uh, in their songwriting. So, sure. hey, everybody, we're here with Steve Robinson, and we'll be right back after a short break. Stick with us. There's so much more to come. Calling all music enthusiasts. Long Island is a wellspring of talent, and the Long Island Sound Podcast is here to celebrate its vibrant music scene. Tune in to discover the stories behind Long Island's incredible musicians, their creative process, and the iconic venues that make the music come live. Hey, everybody. We're back with Steve Robinson. Steve, i got to ask you this question. You know, we were talking about all the different careers we both had, and, uh, and, the influence that has on your songwriting now that um, you're not working quote the day job, how has it affected your songwriting and your music? Uh, what I've been able to, well, I have more time now around the house to just fool around on the guitar. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and as I, as I mentioned, um, I'm, my songwriting style is, is generally 99% of the time to start with the music um, and the music gives you a groove, it gives you a feel, and then you can fit the words that, that uh, you know, kind of fit into that. I actually wrote a song about songwriting, and I call it the, the, the Muse's Ring. Mm. And, and I, and I uh, kind of compare it to, to a, a jeweler putting together a setting and a stone uh, where you, you start with the, with the music, um, and, you know, don't worry about the words right now. You've, you're working with the setting. Mm. Um, and uh, when the words come, uh, you have to fit them to the setting. You have to fit them to the music. Um, and what you end up with, hopefully, at the end of that process is a, is a sparkling jewel. That's, I mean, that's, the, that's the, um, the goal. Now, Steve, would you consider yourself as a songwriter, what I would categorize as a sole practitioner, or have you 
moved into, hey, I'm, I, I want to collaborate with somebody on this or that. Have you done that, or is it really? Um, I've, are you I've, sole I've practitioner? Do, I've done some. Yeah, I'm pr- pretty much solo. Uh, I've I've done a couple of um, uh, collaborations with other people, but. Um, I can't say that they were unsatisfying, but I, I find myself uh, trying to take over the process. And I know that's gotcha. not a good way to collaborate because uh, I've got very specific ideas about what I like and what I want to do. Um, and, you know, you've really got to make room for the other person. I do mm-hmm. have a couple of other songwriters who I have a tremendous respect for. Um, there's a guy out here there called Hank Stone. I don't know if you know Hank. I've heard his name. I, Hank Stone is a prolific songwriter. He's got really unique, original stuff. Um, and I did a collaboration with him. That kind of worked out. Um, okay. But at one, one point, we had a little parting the ways on how to handle the chorus of a particular song. Um, yeah, so, it happens. Yeah. It happens. But you did mention, you were talking about during COVID, how you wrote a song to a prompt. I don't even know if we recorded it or not, but... That that I found interesting, and I've talked to other artists who, yeah, they'll do um, songwriting in the round, so to speak, where they're, uh, okay, write a song about a window, you know, was one of them. And, you know, you have five people just kind of banging out their individual songs or collaborating. There's a couple ways to do it, so. Yeah, we, uh, like I said, Ben Diamond uh, in 2021 came up with a Zoom group called 21 Songs for 2021. And since then, we've had 21 songs for 2022, and we're in, in the middle of now of doing 20 songs for 2023. Mm. But uh, prompts such as um, it was it was the year of Dylan's 80th birthday. So write write a song about him, or in his style, mm. or involving Dylan in some way. Um, so I I wrote a, a song called "The Ragged Clown," um, which is basically a combination of of a chronology of some of the highlights of his career mm-hmm. along with references to song titles um, or phrases from songs that I tried to fit in in such a way is that they didn't stand out as titles or uh, excerpts but they actually fit into the narrative okay uh, but people would recognize them people sure. would recognize the the uh, the, the references um, I had great success with that one uh, the song that uh, that uh, um, uh, that I told you about before is is uh, uh, the prompt for uh, write a song about a question, and it's uh, it's it's another old style, kind of a retro pop love tune called "Would You Change Your Mind," and 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 the, the way it starts out is "Would you change your mind if I could write a song to tell you how I feel?" Mm. And I've had a lot of really positive response anytime I've done that tune. It's interesting. You, it, you make me reminisce about, uh, you know, what I talk about is what I love about singer-songwriters is you're able to articulate a lot of the feelings that I cannot articulate in song and to bring back memories and reminders of, of how to approach life and stuff like that, I think I think is a great gift. Now, I got to ask you this, you know, as you're noodling around on the guitar and you're figuring out phrases and stuff like this, are you ever purposeful about it where you say, you know what? This Thursday, been noodling with this phrasing. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna concentrate on writing a song, or is it more haphazard? Now, now that you have more time to to approach it, how, 
you know, uh, and I don't want you to give it's, all your it's, secrets. It's yeah. happened both. It's happened both ways. Okay. Um, I wrote a song called Sandy, uh, which was about the storm that hit New York back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I'm not a prolific writer, and it takes me a long time. I mean, I've had songs that sat in the drawer for years before I could actually finish them. Mm. This one I got done in two weeks. So this this one was, you know, I want to write a song about the storm. And I sat down and I did it. A lot of the other ones are just, you know, they're ideas. Um, I have a little H2 Zoom that I used to use to just mm-hmm. get them down. And it could be just a couple of chord changes and maybe a phrase. Right. And, you know, I couldn't take it any further. What I found is when I was doing the prompts for 2021, a lot of these songs... I brought back and I was able to finish them because now I had a positive goal, uh, a, a, a prompt to write to. And the wording would change. The chording might change a little bit, but a lot of these songs came about and got finished because I had a structure to build them around. It wasn't okay. just, you know, chords and a, and a phrase. Um, I had one song that I wrote about my grandson, um, Aiden, uh, who's uh, uh, under the spectrum, very bright. Um, mm-hmm. He And when he was five years old, his family lived with us. And I came home one night, and he was uh, sitting on my dining room table in a big cardboard box surrounded with his stuffed animals. Okay. <laughs> I asked, you know, Aiden, what's going on? And he said, we're going on an adventure. <laughs> and, and it ended up... I, I wrote I wrote wrote some lyrics and I had I did some chords, and it sat in the drawer for years and years and years and years. And finally, a prompt came back. I can't even remember which prompt it was, but I finished that song. I called it Aiden's Ark, um, and it's about uh, you know uh, taking off, uh, unfurling the sails in the box, and they're flying off and they're going to see the other side of the moon just to see what's there, and capturing the stars as fireflies and. Uh, you know, Captain Adam, steady at the helm, issues his commands in a language only he and his faithful crew seem to understand. And and finish it up with, you know, maybe it's a child only a child's fantasies can pierce those pierce those skies. And the last the last core the last verse is, you know, let's all take a trip in Aiden's Ark. Yeah. Uh, you know, close your mind, open your mind, op- uh, cl- open your heart, open your minds, close your eyes. And uh, just, you know, travel with Barney the Bear and Runner the Pony and Snakey, who's climbing the mast to set the sails, and Allie's in the crow's nest looking for comet's tails. Let's all take a trip in Aiden's Ark. You know, it's it's like that Christopher, you know, it's letting that inner Christopher Robinson go that that is sometimes buried deep inside us and sometimes not. Uh, Yeah, and sometimes it it just needs somebody to help you you pop the cork to get it out. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I, I enjoyed writing essays. I've done more in the past and I'm feeling a little regret right now. But I remember being inspired by something. Uh, we were in Baltimore. And I said, you know, I told my wife, Deb, I said, listen, do you mind driving? Because I got to get this out. And, and, and I wrote for like, you know, two hours and just banged something out. And I kind of miss that. You know, I kind of miss yeah. letting myself do that. Or yeah. maybe I just have to find more things to inspire me you know, and, and open, yeah. uh, open up the cork, so to speak, you know? Yeah. But you do need, you need the quiet time to do it. And then, and, you know, having now, now that I'm retired, I, I did have more time, but I still, I mean, there are, there are very prolific periods and then there are very, uh, dry spells. Know, yep. Dry spells. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I think it comes down to, and think, think about Aiden or Hayden. It was Aiden, A-I-D-A-N. Aiden. 
so you looked at Aiden, you come and you see him there, and you sort you one, you just asked him a question, and you know it opened it opened un, it uncorked the bottle, you know for you. Uh, yeah. uh, I I would I would suspect. So it's um where am I going with this? It really comes to the ability, I believe, to recognize a story and tell a story and and see where that story takes you, so to speak. You know, mm -hmm. um, you don't have it. OK, it's going to end right here. And, you know, Aiden's going to be Peter Pan and whatever. But it's interesting to follow the muse of a situation and, and put it in song. And now now that song's eternal. You know, it's yeah. Even though it may be in the drawer for a couple of years, eventually it'll, it'll come to birth and, and go out there. And that's one of the things about uh, the song, and I kind of did a lead into this, but that song, Old John, and as I'm listening to it, I'm like, wow, this is just a great storytelling song. Um, maybe you can kind of give me some insights. And I, you know what? I never ask songwriters, what does this mean? Uh, because I want the, honestly, I want the audience to, to bring up whatever it means for them, but... How did it yeah. come to you, I guess, is my question. Well, I mean, uh, two of my favorite songwriters, Jim Lauderdale and Kevin Welch from Oklahoma, okay. both wrote songs about outlaws. Um, Jim Lauderdale does a song called Headed for the Hills. And uh, um, the uh, Kevin Welch does a song called Wilson's Tracks about uh, a guy who heads up to the Ozarks and they go after him and, you know, and they're telling him, you know, don't go, don't go after this guy. You don't know what you're up for. Right. The idea came through from those two songs, and and, and I had, uh, I had a blues riff that I had been playing for a while, and I just didn't have any lyrics for it. But once I heard those two songs, I came to the idea of, you know, why don't I write a song about an outlaw? Hmm. Uh, so that's how it basically that's that the the, the the impetus for writing for doing the song. All right. So let's listen to Old John. We'll be right back after the song. Thanks so much for that, Steve. Sure. We'll be right back. With a pistol and a knife Not one man 
back everybody we're here with steve robinson we're having a good time i'm getting a good education about how he's approaching the muse and sometimes i will or sometime in the future i'll take the thousand little pieces of songs i have and maybe write a song <laughs> maybe that's not a threat <laughs> i did write one song i did write one song it was a parody for my wife's 50th birthday uh, and I had my nine-year-old daughter Faith singing along with me, and we had a ball. Good, and just you did, to, see, you you broke the ice. Well, it wasn't. I wasn't doing it to write the song. I was really doing it to see the look on my wife's face of horror. One well, me singing. There's all and, kinds of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> me singing to the family with a microphone, and I'll never forget this. I'm like, the one one of the things I learned is, don't ever do a song when they just put the food out, right? No. And I had my mother, my God bless my mother-in-law, chewing on something in front of me while I'm singing, saying, "Is this song about me?" <laughs> <laughs> so I must have had a horrified look on on my face. <laughs> anyway, you were telling me, Steve, during the break that uh, you got involved with this contest. You're going to be playing. Tell tell me what's coming up. I'll probably be appearing with a, a good friend of mine, uh, Russ Seeger. Russ has got a uh, stellar career on Long Island as a musician. Um, mm -hmm. He's played with a lot of great people. He's pl he played with Levon Helm at one point. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so. Um, and he is a unique character. He's got, Ooh, okay. uh, he's got, yeah, he's the, he's a jokester. So. All right, he's coming on the podcast. We're gonna yeah. rope, we're gonna rope oh, him yeah. right in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Russ, <laughs> Russ, Russ is a is is a is a really great guy. Uh, uh, he's got an, an oddball sense of humor, uh, <laughs> and he tells jokes at the at, at his shows. He's he's a great he's a great front man. Nice, uh, nice, and a great guitar player. 
Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, we're trying to work out some stuff between now and then for the two of us because even though I've known him for a long time, we have never really played much together. We've oh, had a couple of sessions here where we, we've started to, to get acquainted with each other's music, you know, from a playing standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I have faith that Russ will be able to pick up anything that I throw at him. <laughs> I oh, just that, hope I can pick up what he throws at me. <laughs> well, you know, what, you know what's great? It's funny is, is you know, I love listening to live music when when the the artist is engaging with with the audience you know live yeah. you know yeah because you feel like they're you're you're in their living room so to speak yeah. and 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 you're really part of it you're not a piece of furniture just taking it in you're 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 hitting over your excitement and enthusiasm and and you're cheerleading you know uh by having that engagement so that's that's really kind of cool when you, you have somebody can do that you know you were talking about some other festival. Yeah, there's that... a there's a um, a festival. It's a one day uh, music festival that takes place in East Setauket mm-hmm. at a place called Benner's Farm, where they okay. have a number of stages. Uh, they have a main stage, and then they have a couple of other stages where and and the kids come and they you know they have animals and it's it's an I think I believe it's I think believe it's an organic farm. Uh, oh, working neat. farm. Yeah. And when is that uh, happening? It's. I don't have the exact date, but it's probably some sometime in the beginning to middle of September. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if they have a specific uh, uh, algorithm to figure out which date they're going to have every year, but it was. I believe it was September 11th last year. Hmm. Um, so it's probably somewhere around that time. Uh, but it was a competition to get uh, get on the main stage, and uh, I was fortunate enough to win the competition. Yeah. So. Nice. You didn't have to throw him a twenty spot or nothing. It's just no, nothing like that. Totally on merit. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about uh, the last song you brought to the table, uh, "Forever and Always." That's uh, off your original album, uh, "Backroads." And before you talk about it, I just want to tell our audience you can find Steve's music on Spotify. And as you're listening to the links, when this podcast goes up as a Spotify uh, exclusive. Uh, the stream credit goes to the artist, and that's something new at Spotify. So we're we're happy to uh, promote uh, original live music from the wellspring of talent uh, that's here. So just thought I would throw that in quick. But tell us about Forever and Always from your original album. Well, Forever and Always is 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 uh, a bit different than the other songs we've played tonight. This is this mm-hmm. this is one of those. Um, uh, three o'clock in the morning, you know, set them up, Joe type of type of uh, of songs. It was actually inspired by. I, 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 not only have I had a lot of careers, but my wife and I have moved in our early early years m- numerous times. I, right, I've lost track. It's either twelve times in fifteen years oh. or fifteen times in twelve years. I don't know what it was. Oh, yeah. But we had boxes that went unpacked for many, 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 many years. Okay. And finally, when we settled down, I got to unpack some of those boxes. I found my high school yearbook. And uh, you know, this is twenty five, thirty years after the fact. And and uh, as I was skimming through my my senior year yearbook in the back, where they have all the advertisements. Um, I had forgotten that my high school girlfriend had written me a full-page letter Ooh. and signed it forever and always, which I thought was kind of ironic because, I mean, we'd lost touch. Uh, uh, so using using that as the title, um, I decide, decided Ooh. to write a song about a guy who's who's lost his love. We don't know if, if she's left him 
or if she's passed. The song doesn't really make it clear, but all I all he knows is that and his heart is broken, and uh, and he is sitting in a bar. The way I usually introduce the song is, is the guy sitting at the bar with a handful of letters, mm-hmm. and it's 3 o'clock, and the bartender wants to close, and this guy finally gets up out of his seat, and the bartender's thinking, finally, he's leaving, and I can get close this place up and go home. And then he makes a right turn to the jukebox, and the <laughs> bartender thinks to himself, oh, he's going to play that damn song again. <laughs> and then I play the song. Cool. All right. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> great introduction. Let's listen to Forever and Always. We'll be right back. Check it out, everyone.
I see your face in every corner I hear your voice in every song I know I gotta let it go But I'm just not that strong Those words of love you sent me I never can forget Because they're written here On my broken heart And I know that they will be there Forever And everyone we are back i don't know why i always say hey everyone like i'm calling hey attention everyone we're back in case you were wondering after the song that was a great song thanks for uh giving us the lead into it and uh you gave me a lot of insights uh steve uh into you know how you approach your music and and uh and i look i look forward to even listening to your music more now that i've got to know you uh know you a little bit and that's the whole goal of, of this podcast as I look to cure my curiosity of, gee, what's the story with that guy who's singing up on stage, you know? Uh, so you've, you've given us a little glimpse into your, your history, and I invite everybody to discover you, not only in this podcast, but, but through your music. I think you'll find it, um, I think you'll find it to be great music. So um, Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you and to, uh, to talk to whoever wants to listen. And I think we're going to get a lot of people who are going to want to listen. Uh, Steve, thanks always for being here. I look forward to having you back, uh, you know, as uh, new music comes out so we can tell the masses about uh, what to ex expect from Steve Robinson. So appreciate it. Thank you. All right, brother. Till next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Peace.